Welcome to the My Key Needs Podcast, a podcast dedicated to MSPs. I'm Priscilla Alora Sharoop, co-founder and COO here at My Key. On this podcast, you'll have the opportunity to hear from experts in the field and thought leaders in the channel. So make sure to hit that subscribe button. Let's fly in. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Mikey Meets. So I'm really excited today to be chatting to Chris Martin, one of the founders of Hound Dog. Um, I'm sure if you spoke to me before and we've chatted about the MSP community, you'll realise that Hound Dog was a really pivotal piece of software for me in growing my MSP. So I'm really looking forward to hearing more about the story of Hound Dog. Hope you enjoy. Okay, so um, yeah, it's a great pleasure to have uh, you on the call today, Chris. Um, for those that don't know you, can you do a bit of a quick introduction, a uh, little bit about your background? Chris, yes, I, um, I'm a sort of grizzly Scottish guy, and I'm not given to to talking about myself or, or uh, you know that sort of thing. But I live in North Fife, uh, just across the river from Dundee, quite close to St Andrews. Uh, I've got two young kids, or two youngish kids, ten and thirteen, two girls. Uh, Leslie's my partner. She's a doctor at the local hospital. Does cancer. I think uh, you know. I'm a sports guy. You know, I played part time football. Uh, I spend my life skiing or cycling, running, water skiing, snowboarding, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I have to say, you know, I think what might become interesting later on is when I grew up. We didn't have much money, and I grew up in a pretty chaotic household where things weren't ever where I left them, you know, and I think that resulted in a little, you know, a couple of sort of issues, one of which was potentially a little bit of OCD, which actually maybe counted in my favour in the long run, but I'll come back to that. Uh, So, you know, I ended up doing software engineering completely by accident. I left school to be a postman. I, I kid you not, I mean, the reason I got into software was I used to deliver to my own house and then I was about 17 and at the end of my round was my girlfriend's house. And her parents used to leave for work at quarter past eight, and I would arrive at eight sixteen. You know, just uh, and and anyway, so I was in love slash lust for the first time, and and she went off to live in Edinburgh for a year, and I was kind of missed her. And I remember phoning my mum up after she'd been away for a year. Gail had been away for a year, and I said, "Look, I need to go to university in Edinburgh. Phone up and see what courses you can get me into." And the only course I could get into because it had just started and wasn't full was software, and uh, that's how I ended up in software. Truthfully, and uh, so I did did that degree, software engineer, and I came back to Dundee, did a master's uh, in computer science, and I actually started a PhD. But I left the PhD partway through because I was offered a job by NCR, which was part of AT and T. Uh, and as I said I played football part time, so I couldn't really carry on with the PhD when I, when I was training. And you know, I prefer to be playing football to be honest. Uh, so I started at NCR as a coder. And I moved into sort of networking programming, which again is quite interesting. I did Unix networking program on a using C, uh, and I loved that, you know. And I was I was quite obsessed by sort of writing things in tiny little code fragments and reducing things down. And I was always quite bothered about the way things looked and worked and how tidy they were and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's a bit of my OCD coming out. And then, then I got from network programming into running the network in in Scotland. Uh, for NCR, so that was all the servers, Unix servers, Windows servers, uh, routers, you know, that kind of stuff. And began my sort of OCD came to the fore, you know, because I was then became obsessed 
by looking at them to make sure they were working. And so I knew that they were working quite quite well or, or not. And I had uh, pretty early on, I had you know four or five screens on my desk, which told me the status of uh, all the equipment in Scotland. Uh, and as you know, at the time, I think I think I was using, I'm trying to remember what I was using, but I think we were using a thing called Microsoft SMS, which is a sort of forerunner software deployment program. And I was using Unicenter TNG to monitor a lot of the network devices. But I felt, you know, I felt great. People used to come to my desk and I had four or five big screens. Uh, and actually, you know, that really was the genesis of Hound Dog because uh, that's what I was trying to recreate in, in a different environment. So does that tell you a bit about me, Chris, or is, is there more you'd like to know? Yeah, it, it does actually. And it kind of leads in a little to the, to the Hound Dog thing because one of the questions I was going to ask was, obviously Hound Dog, and I guess to take a quick step back, it was the first probably MSP product that I used at Orchid IT. We used to get bombarded, and I don't know whether this was down to you or down to David Hay or whoever it was who in marketing at the time. We used to get these sort of postcards through the mail almost on an almost weekly basis. It's from memory. We used to get them all the time. Mm-hmm. Try Hound Dog. There's a picture of the dog on there. I've still I've still got one actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I will dig it out and put it in the description. But I've got one and it says Try Hound Dog for system monitoring and this kind of thing. And eventually, I think I thought, you know, what the hell? We're going to have to have a look at this because it, it looks interesting. Mm-hmm. But I kind of didn't know whether you'd come to it from an MSP side of things in terms of you'd seen that problem or you were kind of enterprise and thought you could almost bring that monitoring down to the MSP. Yeah. Obviously, they weren't called MSP at the time, right? But down to the the level of the small small IT company. Well, as, as you can, nothing nothing happens to me is particularly serious. And uh, so, so what I'd done was I'd, I'd left NCR with one of my mates and we had some a couple of NCR systems that we looked after that they were happy for us to carry on looking after. So we'd started off in business, me and my mate with uh, Allied Irish Bank, Federal Reserve in New York, Sainsbury's Bank, where, where we had a system that we looked after. Uh, and it was pretty lucrative, um, you know, and, and we, we did okay at that. But I, I thought at that time, well, actually, I would quite like to start a local IT support company. So, which is what, what happened. So I started doing little bits and pieces for small companies, in effect, an IT sport company, managed service provider, whilst doing this other piece. And uh, Telewest came along at the time and they said, look, could you install this cable, Telewest cable into a business environment? So I worked out how to do it using a router uh, and, and, and that, that got me going with Telewest, actually, sort of in comms sense. And a company down in Fife, uh, it was a very old traditional company, really, really nice people, really nice people. Uh, a linen manufacturer. They asked me to come and install, uh, I think, 10 new Windows PCs and a Windows server to take away from their green screen type stuff. And literally what happened there was I, I bought, and it was quite a big order for us. I mean, we were a tiny little company at that time. And I bought these PCs and the server and uh, and I got somebody to go down and do the network cabling and make it all look nice, you know, nice flashing lights, nice cable management and everything. And I put in the server. And I remember thinking at the time, I don't know whether this is going to carry on working as soon as I leave the building or not. So what I would do is I would actually remote in every day and check it manually because I, I, I really liked these people, uh, you know, and I thought, well, I just, I want to make sure it's working. And so sometimes I'd even drive back down to the site to make sure it was working. And I remember after about a month, I drove down and, uh, you know, my beautiful networking cabinet with flashing lights and beautiful cable management 
the older ladies who worked in the sales office had covered it in a net curtain because <laughs> <laughs> they didn't like it. And I thought this is like almost a piece of art to me. Uh, so anyway, the truth was I, I remoted in every day to that system for quite a long time and, uh, you know, checked it was working. And, and because I'd sort of done this work with Telewest, I knew how in effect almost get them a static IP address. So what I decided to do was to create a sort of scheduled VPN connection and I ran a little bit of software, sort of Unix emulator on the Windows server, MKS Toolkit as it was, and it ran a shell script and it went through checking all, all the bits and pieces and then sent me back a flat file. And then I used to get that flat file delivered back to my office and then check it on a daily basis. And at that, I thought, well, actually, this must be required for a lot of businesses uh, because broadband was becoming ubiquitous about that time. And... Lots of companies didn't really know if their IT, their IT kit was working properly or it was backing up even, you know. And, and so I, I went to my mate, Doug Wilson, uh, who was a Canadian living in Dundee, also worked for NCR, and I showed him what I'd built. And Doug, Doug, Doug said to me, uh, actually, I think that's got legs. And, you know, and I'd implemented it using, I think, this MKS toolkit and, and another program called Servers Alive, which I used to ping uh, you know, the, the remote IP addresses. And so I showed it to Doug and Doug thought it had got legs. So we, we decided to set up a company uh, to pursue this. And I just got a dog, uh, which is why we sort of headed towards the dog metaphor. Uh, and, and the thing that I think tipped it into that for us, Doug and I were looking at a bit of market material. And I remember it, it said, one day I think I'm the dog, the next day I think I'm the hydrant. You know, and I thought, well, this is quite funny. So there's quite a lot of fun to be had in that sort of dog thing. Uh, so literally, that's why we decided to call it Hound Dog. And it was Doug Wilson who was actually responsible uh, for the marketing. So I just want to pay a little bit of a tribute to Doug, a big tribute, actually, because Doug, you know, in the early days, the success of the company was, I think, absolutely down to him. He was really, really cunning. And we were a tiny little firm from Dundee with no money, no customers, uh, no prospects whatsoever. And, you know, so because of that, we had to sort of go to monthly payments because I knew nobody was going to trust us with a large license fee. Uh, I knew we had to deliver it. And at that time, a software called, Act, uh, I think it was Active Server Page, it was called ESP before it was even SaaS. Uh, and so I started building it in a sort of, you know, like a SaaS ESP architecture. Now, I couldn't do that because I was a C coder. I couldn't do HTML and PHP. So we ran into problems and then Ralph Hasselgren came in and, you know, he, he was the sort of the technical wizard in the early days. Uh, but Doug's commercial noodle, what he did was he turned our disadvantages into advantages and he took on the much bigger guys. So he used to attack them on the basis of having bits of software that you paid large amounts of money for that you'd never use. Whereas you could only pay by month for the little bits of software you used from us. And, th and the truth is, that was a workaround because nobody was ever going to trust us. You know, nobody was ever going to pay a small company in Dundee £100,000 licence fee, you know, because who would know whether we were going to still be there in, in a year's time. But Doug, I think, was the cunning behind the commercialization of, of Hound Dog. You know, and uh, I look back on it and, and and it was quite a painful journey for me, you know, going from being a technical guy to sort of morphing into a commercial guy, I think. But Doug really was, I, I would say he was the, he was the cunning.
in, in, yeah. that, in that business. And that's really interesting. So, I mean, one of the, I guess, I didn't know that that's the way you came to it, but obviously you made the decision early on to go um, ASP or SaaS, as it would be now known, rather than on-premise, which I guess some of your subsequent competitors were doing, or... And also the, the kind of monthly billing, I kind of assumed that that was because you were almost very early into the sort of MSP business model of monthly billing rather than being through necessity because you didn't think people would pay otherwise. Well, I mean, no, no, it was. It was through necessity and we flicked it on its head and said, look, it fits with you guys here, go and sell a contract, you know, based on it. And, you know, one of our, I think our first product was the daily server check, or I think the daily server health check. Uh, and... Yeah, it, it was, I mean, it's interesting, Doug and me argued about the ASP thing. He wanted, he'd gone to see quite a lot of customers and they said, we want our own box. We're never going to put our customers on the internet, you know, as, as people talk about cloud these days. Uh, and so we argued, he wanted to produce a hound dog box that ran in their server cupboard that did all this stuff. And I was like, oh no, no, this is going to be a nightmare. You know, so it, it was Absolutely by necessity, but we somehow find a way to make it count in our favour and attack the bigger, better resourced companies. Yeah, absolutely, and um, it, you definitely stood out from the crowd, which is which is uh, so cool. So, I guess quickly before I move on to the next point, then who was who's responsible for the dog barking? Because in my in our office in Derby, we used to have this. Uh, Whenever there's a server alert or something, you hear the dog barking, and I don't, I don't even know if you could turn it off at the time. I can't remember. But so, who who came up with that idea? I'm sure it was Doug. Okay, I mean, Doug was a Canadian guy living in Scotland. He had a great sense of humour, uh, very very smart, and he was quite irreverent. So I presume it was Doug. Okay, cool. So I'll, I'll mention that. So so. As, as the product started to develop, and like you remember, I remember the kind of daily server reports, and you started to add lots of different features to it as the time went on. I guess that must have been pretty explosive growth, right? You must have grown pretty quickly with the product. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was really interesting. I think, I mean, Doug, because he was a North American again, he had a slightly, when I mean, he had a very different attitude than I did. You know, I was, I was this guy from Dundee, you know, who I was a bit more parochial than Doug, but Doug, Doug was a bit more worldly. So, he, and he had family in, in Canada. So one of the things that he did was he got his brother-in-law, I think, to open up a, you know, it was in effect a distributor in North America. And, you know, he and that got us a foothold in North America. And Doug spent a lot of time going back and forward, speaking to customers. And, and he was a, you know, he's a really clever guy about distilling down what customers want and then playing it back to them in a marketing sense. Uh, so <laughs> genuinely, although, you know, the, the idea sort of developed Technically, as I've talked about, I, I always look back in it now and think this is a, a real sort of David and Goliath commercial endeavour, uh, which wasn't, you know, wasn't my doing really. No, but it, it must, I guess, you know, you think about, I, I, can't, I don't know what time frame we're talking about when this developed, but we're now at 2021 and the product, the product is still there, right? In uh, It's now Enable MSP. It's been through several acquisitions and name changes, but the, the core product is still there. So that must give you some some satisfaction that that... I mean, I wonder if you, some of your code is still running in there. Well, <laughs> you know, some of my code's still running in NCR. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you, you do get a weird sort of perverse satisfaction knowing that there's a little bit of you, you know, running something somewhere. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a great story. I mean, it was it was... It was a tremendous experience, you know, and actually, you know, we started to make a bit of a name for ourselves and GFI uh, noticed. And, and what happened was they, they rolled us in with their 
more traditional security business, which is license model, which ran out of Malta. And the, the guys in Malta, they were coming at the world from a different angle from us. We were the sort of plucky upstart and they were really, really nice people and smart, you know, but they, they didn't understand what we were trying to do. And, and so we kind of clashed for a little bit of time. And, and then after about a year, I remember, and Doug, this caused actually Doug to leave. Doug, Doug said he couldn't, you know, couldn't do this because in effect, we were going backwards and sort of the way we were thinking about things. And so he, he, he left uh, and then Alistair took over from Doug. Doug. Uh, and Alistair, I'm sure you know Alistair, Alistair's really one of the cleverest guys I've ever met. I mean, he's, he's got a brain like a computer, really, really clever. Uh, and, you know, and I, and I stuck around uh, for, I don't know, about till about the end of 2013. And just what an experience it was, you know, because we were quite acquisitive. Uh, we went from being this tiny little thing to being the biggest in, in, biggest dog in the fight, so to speak, uh, in that. And it was just an incredible learning experience, you know, and, and working with really, really smart people, you know, and, and the GFI Insights, you know, that was the venture capitalist behind it. You know, they brought in really, really clever people who, who sometimes, not always, but mostly they did really smart things. Sometimes they did really silly things. You know? uh, but what, you know, what an experience it was. And, you know, and I decided, again, that I was going to leave at the end of 2013, which is another sort of slightly bizarre, you know, a bizarre tale and, and go and work with my mates. But it was, it was just a tremendous experience. I loved it. Yeah, you said you, I completely forgotten until you just mentioned it that GFI and I knew about the GFI acquisition and everything, but before then, GFI I guess were known a little like SolarWinds, right? That they had these sort of single standalone tools that they would sell that IT providers would be able to use for certain tasks around Exchange Server or yeah. or different bits and bobs they would they would do. Yeah, I mean, I think their their sort of star product was Mail Essentials. Yeah, that's it, sort yeah. of spam filter. Yeah, and uh, like you say, you know, they were really great, great folks but they were just trying to sell software differently and and we, and we i think we suspected that we were more modern than them and because they were the acquiring company you know they suspected they were going to dare i say it, you know show us or tell us how it was done and it was a bit it was a bit difficult but an ex, you know extremely likable bunch but uh you know it's just a, that was a sort of slightly difficult period while we worked through that i think yeah it's interesting well I guess from a personal point of view, you know, we, I really appreciate what you did do because I say it was, I'm sure it was the first MSP product we put into Orchid and then probably followed that with Autotask and then we, we, we moved away from you guys at one point. This is after the GFI acquisition, we ended up going to Enable and then the, and there's this whole ecosystem now of all of these products that were probably not there at the time, but I think, and, and I think that a lot of the decisions that you made really early on, you say with ASP, um, and the, the sort of SaaS way of doing this, or the um, cloud, as we call it now, was obviously sort of paid off for um, for enable as it is now, because obviously it just keeps, continually scales and keeps going. So, and and you'd be amazed, and I don't know how in touch you still are with the MSP community, but you'll be amazed that whenever I speak to MSPs, as I do all over the world, they will all know the name Hound Dog. It's crazy. <laughs> it's kind of the, the brand recognition. Everyone knows that it's gone through several name changes and everything, but everyone, it's just it's just such a well-loved product in the kind of um, the early days of MSP. I think, I mean, that, that's extremely gratifying to know that something something you've done has, you know, has meant something to somebody. 
Uh, but, you know, the truth of it is, I like to laugh, and so did Doug, you know, and so we went down the, let's have a bit of a laugh with the brand, you know, thing. And I think that's great. I'm, I'm pleased that people that weren't taking life too seriously did well. Yeah, well, I guess, again, it may be a little bit of a trailblazer there, because <laughs> if you look now at the SaaS, the SaaS marketplace in MSP or outside of MSP, it's all kind. I guess a lot of it now is brands like Hound Dog that are trying to have the fun and they've got the mascots and all that kind of thing. But I mean, you were the, probably the first one I ever came across that did that. But now everyone's doing it, right? Well, I mean, it is that, but also, I mean, genuinely underlying that was a desire to look after somebody's thing properly. You know, so it was a bit, it was a bit irreverent, but you know, the, the underlying motive was genuinely. I, they they paid me to do this. I want to make sure it's working. For them, and I, and I go back to that room, that little sales room with Pearl and Pam and so on in it, and the, you know the intention was to look after that stuff, uh, you know. So it was it was a genuine intention with a bit of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it's an amazing success story. So well done. So, so after after that, then um, and the hand dog, you say you, you left the business. I mean, without going into sort of too much detail of what you did, and but I'm just kind of curious, and I'm sure a lot of people are. As to where you are now, are you still involved in the MSP community or are you outside of that or what are you up to? Well, I mean, I think my course had run in the managed service provide, you know, sort of that MSP community, I needed to do something else. And again, it wasn't particularly serious. What, what had happened was, uh, and I knew, I, was, I knew that I was, I'd run my course and I'd hired a room from my mates around the corner because uh, we just had our second kid. And I used to go up into that room and sleep at lunchtimes because I was so tired. Uh, and these were guys that I'd played football with. And well, whilst I was up there having a wee snooze, you know, some days they would talk to me about their other software product that they built, which I, I thought was quite interesting. And it was to do with mobile apps. And, I, you know, at the time, we'd just, procured, we'd just purchased a company called uh, Visual Mobile, which was to be a sort of MDM solution embedded within uh, GFI Max. And so I was quite interested in the mobile thing. And I could see that that had, you know, the, the line in mobile was going high into the right. And these guys had a little product there. So I said, well, look, I'll put some money into this and, you know, and I'll give you unofficial sort of friendly help. And, and then, you know, over time, I thought, actually, there's probably legs in this. Uh, and so I decided to actually go and run Warracle. Now, Warracle at that time, Warracle was a company based in Dundee of about 10 people. It was tiny. It had both a product and a service. And the product and service company is very difficult at such a small scale. I mean, you can probably do it when you get a little bit bigger, but it's quite difficult at a small scale. So I made the decision to separate out the product and service company. And I actually got Mark Petrie, who used to be the director of engineering, for Hound Dog, GFI Max, uh, to come and work on the product, you know, the Cumulus, as it was called. And so, and every day, you know, given that I I was once a technical guy, but I think I'd morphed to being a, a commercial guy, you know, every day I had to almost whack myself in the back of the head in the early days and say, you're running a service company. Don't try and build a product, you know, because it's two entirely different things. So if, if I, uh, you know, just bring that story up to date, now Warracle are, we develop mobile apps. Uh, we do it mostly for banks and healthcare. We do really, really fascinating work in healthcare, really world-leading sort of, in effect, remote monitoring of patients, uh, which is very, very similar architecturally to Hound Dog, as you won't be surprised to hear. Um, 
And we're comfortably the biggest mobile app developer in the UK, and possibly, and I think we probably are the biggest mobile app developer in Europe. Wow, okay. That's cool. So you're still within the kind of, obviously trying to solve these different problems within the, uh, with, with IT, but just in a slightly different market. Well, well do you know what I mean? The, the funny thing is remote patient monitoring, you know, monitoring people's systems, uh, symptoms, isn't a lot different from monitoring people's servers. You know, the architecture is almost exactly the same. Uh, the, the data component of it is much, much bigger. You know, there's, people are, I think the rich, you know, data is obviously a huge topic now. And, you know, back in my day at GFI, it was, we thought we could do something interesting with it, but we weren't quite sure. But obviously in healthcare, data is something that's intrinsic to the whole uh, innovation Loop, yeah, if you, like. you know, they get the data, they innovate based on it. So it is, it is in effect, an IoT system with huge data component. Yeah, it's interesting. So I know you mentioned Alistair previously, and I know he was a he was a big advocate of trying to sort of get to use the data within the uh, the GFI Max product as evolved into to sort of try and use that almost big data to try and sort of get some really interesting insights out of that. Well, I think I mean, what's interesting about Alistair is, I don't know if you knew this, but Alistair is actually a scientist. And he, if I remember rightly, he did something to do with pain transmission. You know, so he's a biomedical scientist. Uh, so it's no accident that Alistair's interested in, you know, data and sort of the experimental method, because uh, yeah. that would be his heritage. I didn't know that, actually. That's another, another something great we found out today. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's a really, really smart, rational clear guy you know I, I used to always feel a bit of a dork sometimes when I was talking to Alistair because there was all this you know good ideas coming out but they weren't all necessarily joined up and Alistair always just went to it's this and I was like oh, I wish I could be like that <laughs> yeah but I guess I guess as the as you grow the business needs both right and I suppose that's what uh, what helped you out it, it does you know it does it needs both sort of hyper rational clear sighted thinking and you know it needs a bit of fun and it needs creativity and it needs sort of randomness sometimes you know I've, I've thought about this what do you think of that and uh, you know in the business I run now it's it's you know it's really quite an innovative environment and I guess you've got to be careful that you don't bring in too many people of the same sort because it can get unbalanced yeah absolutely well I think we're pretty much at time so that was super interesting for me personally so if um even if no one listens to this podcast i've i've learned a lot today and it's um it's been amazing to learn more about the story of hand dog which i say is is greatly respected in the industry so i'd just like to say uh thanks so much for your time chris uh really appreciate it and we hope to see you um somewhere in the msp community and some guys in the not too distant future that's great chris thanks very much cheers bye-bye cheers Wow, that was, a, that was a thrill. Really, really interesting and super humble. I don't think that Chris realised that people have still got this great affection for Hound Dog. So it was my pleasure to, to chat with him and to explain to him that people still love it. And the fact it still lives on to this day, it's an incredible story. So thanks so much to Chris for spending some time with me today. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed it too. And I look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you for listening to the Mikey Meets podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to tell your friends about us. And if you haven't already, please subscribe on your platform of choice. For questions, feedback, or just to say hello, you can reach us on podcast at Mikey.com. We'd love to hear from you.
Until next time.